Welcome back to Wings Nuts, the weekly audio program that talks about each and every episode of classic 1990s sitcom Wings. Nobody better lay a finger on my butterfinger. I'm Jared, here with Emerson, and I would like to welcome you and say howdy, Emerson. Howdy, Jared. How you doing? I'm fantastic. And you know what? Uh, I, never mind. <laughs> I was okay. trying to come up with, with a play on uh, pulling teeth because you got your teeth pulled today, but um, I got my, yeah, I got my what? teeth pulled yesterday. Yeah. Oh yes, that's right. How how mm-hmm. are they feeling? They're feeling um better. Like Saturday was really, really rough. Uh it was just like I had a, a giant abscess forming on my gum and and like it got to the point that it was just real big and I like took some Advil. Um, and I like, like I rinsed my mouth out a bunch with salt water and like kind of followed the sort of home remedies because dentists don't, don't really work Saturday evenings, Sundays. And so I like, I was just like, I got to make it through Sunday and then my dentist appointments Monday morning. And so, um, I woke up like, like, I don't know, two in the morning, Sunday morning, you know, Saturday night, Sunday morning. And like the inside of my cheek was starting to swell too. It was really bad, <laughs> but I managed to fall back asleep. And when I woke up Sunday morning, um, I think it must have popped, which is really gross. Oh, we can, we can cut this out, but like, oh, like God. it was relief and the pain was gone. And then yesterday I went first thing in the morning and they like pretty much got me in the seat, looked at the thing. They're like, yeah, you, you got a big infection. It's like, eating away at your bone below that tooth. And no. so they they pulled it, they did a skin graft, and then I sounded just like Helen. Oh, my God. God. Had like a big old cotton oh, thing. Oh, I'm hungry. <laughs> what? Uh, I respect you. If you fall asleep on us tonight, I will not pick you up and carry you to the boys' house to watch the big game. Okay, good. Yeah, and I'm not on any crazy painkillers that will make me sleepwalk to the next door neighbor's front porch where a uh, I can is it a Great Dane or something? Yeah, curl up with that doggy. Curl up with the doggy. I just wish you well. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm like I'm at that period now where I'm just like eating soup and taking it easy and trying to to like not get um, dry socket. Dry socket. <laughs> Yes, because that is like one of my biggest fears. Like I think, I think dry socket is like where the the blood clot that's supposed to form and kind of like like help the healing process pops mm-hmm. out. It pops okay. out, and then you um, end up with like basically your bone is exposed to the outside air, and it's just like it's supposed to be the most painful thing in the world. Well, we are here today to talk about the season two episode of wings called looking for love in all the wrong places that's right original broadcast date february 14th 1991 which i believe was valentine's day valentine's day for me i was i was like a lot no i was yeah i was 11 gonna be 12 in three days because my birthday is right after valentine's day i was probably putting you know valentine's cards and all the well this was in sixth grade, huh? I don't know if we were still doing that. You know, when you like bring Valentine's card for the whole class. 
Yeah, stuff in the all the girls' boxes with cards. Mm-hmm. I know what I had for dinner. I had a uh, heart-shaped meatloaf because that's what my mom made every Valentine's. Really? That's really yes. cute. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think my parents did anything for Valentine's Day. For I mean, for the kids, <laughs> for each other, probably. Yeah, I can I can still see that big heart-shaped meatloaf, and uh, if you were sitting on the other side of the table it looked like a big red butt okay meaty butt (laughs) (laughs) i love it say did you happen to come by a a synopsis for this episode on the internet um i did let's let's just try imdb valentine's day gets out to a rocky start for helen and joe joe's gift of chocolates is not appreciated by the once overweight helen Helen apologizes for taking it the wrong way, sending Joe a note telling him to meet her at their quote-unquote special place later that night. However, they have different places in mind. For Joe, it's Indian Point, where they had their first date. For Helen, it's Pontarelli's, where they first ate. After a confusing (laughs) night, they finally end up at Pontarelli's for a late Valentine's Day. Meanwhile... When Roy's blind date exceeds all his low expectations, all he can do is try and figure out what's wrong with her. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the first date was Indian Point and Pontarelli's, but I see what uh, Ed Mahoney the fourth was doing there. He was kind of doing a play on words. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Pretty clever. Cool. Well, yeah, that does uh, summarize it. Mm-hmm. This... And, and a fair warning for the audience, there's a lot of mentions of Helen used to be fat. Yes, yeah. This episode yeah. That, that is all, real heavy with it. That comes roaring back, that old chestnut. Mm-hmm. Um, this episode was written by the writing team, Bill Diamond and Michael Saltzman. You may remember them. They wrote the previous episodes, Hell Hath No Fury, Like a Policewoman Scorned, and an episode we just gushed over a few weeks ago called My Brother's Back and There's Gonna Be Trouble. Totally different tone, this episode. Like, this is like a wild swing away from from the Madcap episode. Uh, we last saw them, right? Uh, this one is pretty Madcap to me, though. Uh, yeah, not, not there's no, no no marching band, no donkeys. Right, right, unless right. You count, unless you count a, a gaggle of Italians as a marching band of donkeys. <laughs> In the most racist way possible... <laughs> No, yes. I, I do not think that <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, I, I wrote so uh, many notes for it, though, because just like so much stuff happens in this episode. Shall we uh, review some of the guest stars? Let's do it. Okay, we had uh, Deborah May as Karen, Roy's uh, forlorn love there. Mm-hmm. Um, she appeared in Guiding Light, St. Elsewhere, Golden Girls, Murphy Brown, Star Trek, Deep Space Nine. Star Trek Voyager, The Larry Sanders Show as Melanie Parrish, Days of Our Lives, ER as Mary Kane, The Walking Dead, and most recently, Cobra Kai. Then we had Claire Yarlett as Stephanie. Ooh la la. <laughs> she, had a, she was a regular on The Colbys. She was on Days of Our Lives, um, regular on uh, Robin's Hoods. And she was on ER, Becker, and Frasier. Then we had David Fulmer. He played the delivery man. This was his only credit on IMDb. And 
Uh, from Googling, I gathered that he may just be a lawyer based in Santa Monica today. He probably tells everybody he was an actor. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was on Wings. <laughs> Who's your favorite lawyer? <laughs> My favorite lawyer's got to be the people's lawyer. I, I just love that guy. It's not Sweet James. I've heard his radio ads, seen his billboards. I don't I don't know why a lawyer would call himself sweet. <laughs> I love it. I mean, like lawyers want to be known as shrewd, not not sweet. It's he calls himself sweet James, but it almost seems like he's calling himself that as if it's like a member of the mafia, like that's his his mob nickname. Oh, okay, okay. He's all yeah. over the place. He's seems like he's really successful. Well, good for him. Yeah. Uh, speaking of successful, we had one Perry Anzalotti. Mm-hmm. He was uh, played an Italian on the show, the almost uh, m- the mute Italian mm-hmm. or the Italian that didn't know English. And he has appeared on Cheers, Dear John, Blossom, Seinfeld, Coach, Grace Under Fire, Married with Children, Tracy Takes On, Curb Your Enthusiasm. ER and Modern Family. Then last, um, we had this guy, Tony Shaloub, Shalom, uh-huh. Tony Shaloub, as in he played the character Antonio. Wasn't familiar with this guy, but he's been in a lot of stuff like uh, Galaxy Quest. Looks like he was a series regular on Monk, maybe like a supporting character or something. And he was on uh, in the movie, The Man Who Wasn't There. He appeared in several Men in Black films, mm-hmm. and he's a regular on The Marvelous Miss Maisel. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever seen Big Knight? Because I love him in, in that. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, yeah, no, I, I, like, I like Tony Shalhoub. I think this guy's funny, and I hope, I hope we see more of him. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to see more of that guy in the future. Yeah. Uh, sp- specifically as a, a restaurant, restaurateur. <laughs> <laughs> is he he's not italian right he's like what what's his uh ethnicity i don't know he might be italian okay. because like like big night he plays in italian as well uh raised in a lebanese moronite household in green bay wisconsin maybe he's lebanese so he's lebanese yeah so is it is it like it's not racist though for someone who's not italian to play an italian caricature right i don't know (laughs) it's you know if i had a a critique of wings it would be that there's not like a lot of diversity on the show and it's just kind of weird to to make your show diverse by adding an italian character played by a lebanese american yeah he's lebanese american (laughs) (laughs) sure 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 yeah the, the television just wasn't ready for uh a Lebanese character in the nineties. <laughs> I guess not. They were barely ready for a lesbian character. Oh yeah. And that was like a few years from now, right? Yeah. Well, what do you say we get into news? Sure. Yeah. Let's just start with the front page. Then we got cops investigate a weekend tie between break-ins and fire. And basically, mm-hmm. There was a big fire uh, on a house, and meanwhile, while, like, while the fire was going, there were four break-ins, and the cops suspected 
that the um either like the fire was a distraction to allow the perp to get away with eighteen dollars in cash from <laughs> from one of the four places they broke into. Um, yeah. yeah, like as the police investigate five break-ins from last weekend, they are working to determine if a building fire on Sunday night was purposely set as a diversion to the breaks. And like I followed up with this, and from what I could tell, yeah. the um the police later uh decided that like they are completely separate things that it was like some underage kid doing the break-ins trying to just probably steal money to buy beer or something mm-hmm. and they they had like a group of like six arsonists or six potential arson suspects but i could never find like an article stating that they actually found who it was and so yeah from as far as i know this is an open case still a cold case yeah, it was this um cuz we covered a fire last week, a big fire uh from the Nantucket Inquirer Mirror. This was a different fire. Do you think those two fires may have been related cuz the other one was like a gas fire. Oh, that was like an explosion, this looks like right? Arson. Yeah. Yeah. This, but this was like arson, yeah. I think they're unrelated because the, I think the other one yeah. was caused by by like a um you know, the natural gas line connected to a, a a stove that was being replaced and somebody just mm-hmm. like either the connection was loose or something happened. Yeah. Getting setting a fire to like cause a distraction so that you can go rob places is kind of like a mastermind move, but only getting away with 18 bucks is small, small peanuts. Yeah. All right. So what do you got? I just have this, this photo off the front page and this is related to the downy flake fire that we talked about last week. Uh-huh. And uh, so it's a photo of kind of the burnt out remnants of um, the the built the restaurant where there was an explosion. But um, on the adjoining wall that's still standing, somebody spray painted the golden arches and sp- wrote and sprayed uh, coming soon exclamation <laughs> point. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> the caption for the f- Photo says, after workers removed the remains of the downy flake, somebody with a can of spray paint had time to pen this anonymous suggestion. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Ba, 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 ba. You know, I wonder if there if even is a uh, McDonald's on Nantucket. Good question. So my next article is on page 11, and it's breakfast on the menu with new school food service. Nantucket school students may soon see pizza on the school menu more often. They might also enjoy a build-your-own sub day or go wild at a self-service ice cream sundae bar. That's just a sampling of some of the special promotions offered by Canteen Corporation, the school's new food services supplier. In an effort to to stave off its current food services deficit, the school committee this week awarded a one-year contract to the Waltham Company based on a bid of $58,548. The only company to bid on the contract currently provides food services to the schools on Martha's Vineyard. Superintendent Donald Mayako and a number of school representatives sampled the service before introducing the company here. Don and I had lunch at a school in the vineyard, said committee member Dale Wayne. The quality of food was better than what I've had here at the elementary school. I think the students might be gaining some weight if we do this, he added with a smile. So basically, <laughs> they they privatized um, the cafeteria lunches because 
the public school was like losing seven thousand dollars per month by trying to provide it on their own. And I, I I followed up with like with where this went to see if like you know it was a disaster. And basically, mm-hmm. like, um, this company, Camping Canteen Corporations, was, you know, like they were, they had the, their, what do you call it, federally, um, they were basically offering subsidized. Yes, I think they were federally subsidized school lunches they were offering. So, like, for a buck fifty, you could still get like a hamburger, milks, like fruit, like you know, like a variety of things mm-hmm. on a tray. Um, but then they also offer like uh, like a bunch of a la carte offerings, like. Um, french fries smoothies things like that that like students would have to pay more money to buy and this so like those were high profit for this company and a lot of the parents in like later articles were complaining that like the students were were not being healthy because they were just like going for like the french fries and like the Mm. food that tasted good but didn't offer a lot of nutrition you mean you can't rely on kids to make smart choices (laughs) yeah i uh I liked this headline. Scallop logo contest ends tomorrow. The Fisherman's Association contest to find a logo for Nantucket Bay scallops ends tomorrow. And the winner will be announced at Tuesday's Shellfish and Harbor Advisory Board meeting. Marine Superintendent Dave Franzuto said he's received several submissions from artists, fishermen, and other community members. Uh, There's a couple that are very... Very good, said Franzuto. The contest was sponsored to produce a logo for marketing identification. It will get its first promotion at the Boston International Seafood Show in March when SHAB members set up a booth to display Island Bay scallops. Any last-minute logo submission should be turned in to the Marine Department on Washington Street. The contest winner will get five pounds of scallops. And plenty of recognition, said Fisherman's Association President Diane Coombs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm just praying that Brian entered Brian and um Kenny entered this like with their painting. <laughs> yes. Hell yeah. And I mean what what would I what would you do for a five pounds of scallops, Emerson? Um I, I would probably like uh, do um, spin upside down on a propeller. All right. What would you do for five pounds of scallops? <laughs> <laughs> I was looking up real quick if there is a Nantuck or McDonald's in Nantucket, and I don't think there is. Well, like Brian said, they have the technology. So, <laughs> yes, they do. It is funny because. Um, a lot of a lot of the art like the restaurants have kind of like investigated and followed up on really do like breakfast and lunch hour service. So maybe they really are like like trying to encourage people to kind of do dinner at home with the family. Mm-hmm. There are like I'm sure there are like a lot of restaurants that that offer um that offers dinner, but you know. Okay, so yeah. the next one I pulled is from page, I think it's page five A. Mm-hmm. We have, there's a picture of this guy, uh, this cook working at a grill. Damien Turbini, the chef at Sam's Place, will soon be moving next door to open his own business, a meat and specialty store called The Chef's Table. The headline is Italian Grocery Butcher Shop Opening Soon by Anne Fanouf, staff writer. Damien Turbini wants to bring a taste of his old northern neighborhood to Nantucket. Growing up in the heart of Boston's Italian neighborhood, 
Trubini said the table was the center of everything in his family. Good conversation, good times, and most of all, good food. And basically, this guy's opening up um, like a butcher shop slash um, grocery called The Chef's mm. Table. And the reason why I brought it up is because in the future, uh, we might be revisiting him with a little trouble from the Historic Society. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so I'm just plant, planting a seed. <laughs> I can't wait. Yes. <laughs> I hope they didn't dare try to have a sign on the street for their restaurant. <laughs> um, I mean, it might have something to do with that. Emerson, do you mind if I hop over to the Boston Globe? Not at all. I was going to go there pretty soon, too. We're still getting Iraq news. Uh-huh. Um, the big news is several articles pertaining to uh, the U.S. Uh, bombed a kind of a bomb shelter and killed like 500 people. So one of the articles highlighting that is titled Civilian Casualties Seen Heavy in Baghdad. I'll quote here. Western correspondents in Baghdad, Baghdad videotaped scores of charred, mutilated bodies, including those of children, being removed from the facility while relatives wept uncontrollably in the smoke-filled streets nearby. Allowed to wander through the wreckage, the journalists said they saw no signs of communications equipment or a military presence. And basically, the U.S. said, like, um, through various quotes, the U.S. said, like, this was this was a military facility that Saddam was using, and they it's Saddam's fault because he put people in there as civilian casualties. Uh, but if you dig, there was an article... Uh, about this uh, on the like 20th anniversary of the bombing, I believe from Al Jazeera. And they basically, you know, proved that or showed that the U S knew all along. And they quoted a general saying like, yeah, it was a, it was a bunker that was used as an air raid shelter during the, during the Iran Iraq war. So it, it probably never was anywhere where they were hiding weapons or any military things. And, you know, we just, bombed this place where people were hiding civilians, children and everything. To quote the article, in Washington, Cheney said that the Iraqis had made a habit of hiding military equipment among civilians and cultural sites. He said satellite photographs showed that at least two Iraqi MIG-21 fighters were parked alongside a Sumerian pyramid near the ancient Iraq city of Eur, 200 miles south of Baghdad. And to quote Cheney here, clearly he's demonstrated repeatedly a willingness to use his population and archaeological artifacts in an effort to shield and protect his military equipment. So, you know, I I love um, Cheney blaming the victim there pretty much. I doubt the U.S. really believed it was a military installation. Maybe it was an accident or maybe they just, you know, wanted to shock Iraqis and scare the shit out of them. Yeah, that's it's, pre- crazy. it's pretty fucked up either way. Like 500, mm-hmm. 500 people, di- 500 people died. And I didn't really, um, you know, we all like when the desert storm, um, era is ever mentioned, you know, it's often spoken of as like, you know, a, a limited kind of small engagement where there wasn't a lot of casualties, but you know, so I, I totally forgot if I ever knew about that whole incident. It's just sad. Mm-hmm. You know, um, 
I'm I'm doing to the uh sorry. I can't speak because I got a tooth pulled yesterday. Yes. <laughs> that's my that's my current excuse. But um uh I'm I'm gonna jump to the Boston Globe as well, but I just wanted to acknowledge that like you barely even know that the war exists if you read the <laughs> Inquirer and Mirror. Yes. <laughs> I think the only article that mentions it is on page five, five A. Vacationers yeah. curbing travel in wake of war. <laughs> Which yeah. is like an article about how like travel profits are down this year because people are like um i don't i think i'll probably stay home and stay safe yeah yeah so on page 30 of the boston glow i found a little uh this is in letters to the editor Mm -hmm. how's the weather here's a vote against your daily page one weather puns i agree with the columbia journalism reviews characterization of them as inane curious little small townisms and provincial amateurism. Richard Feinberg, Jamaica Plain. And I was like, I didn't remember that there were um, weather puns, or I guess I <laughs> never like realized that there were. But yeah, at the top right corner of uh, the front page, slop till you drop. Thursday, sleet, rain, windy, 40s. Friday, mostly cloudy, windy, 35. High tide, 55 a.m., 11.24 p.m. Full report, page 80. But I guess it's just the slop till you drop this guy was mad about. <laughs> Fantastic. I had pulled this from um, Boston Globe. It was a little entertainment snipper, snippet. Mm-hmm. And I, I apologize if you pulled this. The headline, Bart Simpson, Patriot or Puppet? Matt Groening, Groening crea- did I pronounce that right? Yeah. Matt Groening, creator of The Simpsons, felt a bit conflicted seeing Defense Secretary Dick Cheney holding up a camouflage-dressed Bart Simpson doll straight from the front the other day. It's always sad when a 10-year-old gets drawn into a war, said the cartoonist. While Groening himself is, quote, very opposed to the war, his cartoon family is all for it. A division he explains this way. I'm not the Simpsons. I'm smarter than they are. And, yeah. and I, I had to Google it and I found just like a great photo of Dick Cheney holding up a Bart Simpson in camouflage. And then I also found a photo of uh, George Bush sitting at his desk with a Bart Simpson in camouflage. Oh, yeah. You texted that to me earlier. <laughs> <laughs> and I just remember like the bootleg shirts they were selling back then with like Bart as Saddam. And oh, my God. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, like the early 90s, like the merchandising for The Simpsons was out of control. There was tons of official merchandise and then tons of bootleg merchandise. Insanely fast too. Like like I thought yeah. The Simpsons were like popular within 3 months of their first episode. Maybe within the first like month of the first episode. It's crazy how huge they got yes. right away. Yeah. And I've often thought about like, where has all their merchandising gone? Because in the nineties, you know, they had, they had shirts, they had video games, they did like candy bar endorsements. Uh, They had put out CDs and action figures and everything else. And like, they really haven't done much in the, the ensuing decades. Yeah, I guess they haven't. They, they made a movie a few years ago, but like the Simpsons sing the blues came out. Mm -hmm. Um, February 11th, 1990. And the first episode of The Simpsons was like 89? 
Simpsons versus an open fire, December 17th, 1989. Wow. Okay. That is so crazy to me that it's like they were that fast. And I I had that CD. Mm-hmm. Well, me too. Yo, hey, what's happening, dude? I'm a guy with the rep for being rude. Terrorizing people <laughs> wherever I go. It's not intentional, just using the fro. Okay. Do the um, so, yeah, which actually brings us, well, that will bring us to something else later. But the last thing, or one of the last things I pulled uh, was also from the same page that you pulled the Bart Simpson one. Uh-huh. Skipper will be so pumped up. Barbie and Ken, you can't touch this. MC Hammer, Gold LeMay baggy pants, short jacket, bare chest and all, will be wrapping his way into toy stores this fall as a 12-inch fashion doll. The life-size <laughs> rapper showed up yesterday at a dance party at Mattel's New York showroom to introduce the doll. A full wardrobe of glitzy outfits will also be available, naturally. I love it. Yeah. Also, right below that. <laughs> Squawking got Jocko in hot water. A screeching parrot accused of making the neighbors ill went on trial in Oslo, Norway this week in an unprecedented court case that could bring the bird a long spell of solitary confinement. Jocko, a blue and red parrot about 50 years old, kept silent as a magistrate, lawyers, and witnesses turned up at the bird's also home for the start of the trial this week. The court moved to the house because it was too cold for Jocko to travel. My wife was taken to hospital after a heart attack. I reckon one of the reasons for her illness was the parrot's noise and the neighbor's provocations. Norwegian <laughs> newspapers quoted neighbor Frank Anderson as testifying. Anderson said Jocko's squawking was like daggers in the stomach. He wants the parrot to leave or be locked in the back room. Jocko's owner, Jan Erik Skog, denied the, the Anderson family's charges that he spied on them and deliberately put the parrot outside to annoy them in summer. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Yeah. How's a parrot going to make someone sick? I don't know. Like a early, early uh, strain of Havana syndrome. Instead of crickets, it was parrots. We had like a uh, smoke alarm in the house where the, I guess, a nine volt battery died. And so it was chirping. And oh, yeah. that that is like, it's time at just the perfect, uh, whatever, time distance, time interval that like, it truly will drive you insane. And like, yes, I was like ready to, I was, it's on the other side of the house. So like, I was like, oh, I guess I'll prepare to like just wear uh, earplugs. But if it was closer to me, I would have, I mean, we tried to get, get a ladder up there, but we couldn't quite reach it. And so, um, I was like, if I have to, I will fucking take a baseball bat to this thing. <laughs> Which fortunately we didn't have to. That's that's why the first thing you got to do when you move into a place is take all the batteries out of the smoke alarms. Well, you got to unplug it from the the because mm-hmm. like it'll chirp from like the um the connection to like you know the house's electricity. Yes. Yeah. Um, cool. So we we were just started doing a thing where we were doing the current top. Yeah. Do you have anything for that this week? I do. I do. I do. I do. And I yes. can I can uh, say them unless you want to. Well, yeah, go for it because I, I I might have something to add. Okay. The number one song. See if you can name this tune. Everybody dance now. 
Yeah, so it's same song. It's still gonna make you sweat. But I yeah. I think I saw on the website, number one in the US is gonna make you sweat by CNC Music Factory. Number one in the UK, mm-hmm. do the Bart do the Bart man. No way. Yes. <laughs> Talk about synergy or that's oh, great. Synchronicity yeah. there. Yes. And number one movie is still with the enemy, right? Yeah, still sleeping with the enemy. But you know what got released this week? Yes, Silence of the Lambs, right? Yes. Uh, I am like so so excited for. I love that movie so much. Mm -hmm. Also, I think released this week is King Ralph. Oh, great. I love that movie. Yeah, John Goodman, Peter O'Toole, King Ralph starts tomorrow at these selected theaters. And I saw an ad for Nothing But Trouble. Yes, also starting tomorrow. Wow, what a Dude. weird movie that is. Oh my God. Now I know where I'm going if I get a time machine this week. <laughs> and have a movie day. They also announced the um, Oscar nominees uh, this week. Mm-hmm. Do you want to like do a quick thing where you guess the winner? And do you have the uh, nominees? Best Picture, Awakenings, This Is With Wolves, Ghost, The Godfather Part 3, and Goodfellas. Oh, if by guess you mean remember, it's Dances with Wolves. I believe you're correct. But I would have picked Goodfellas. That that was my pick out of that batch. Yeah. Uh I'm actually like in the middle of Dances with Wolves, and it is pretty pretty good movie, but I might join you in Goodfellas. I also yeah, like come on. I like I like Ghosts a lot too. Goodfellas is almost a perfect movie. My only issue with the film is its title. It should have been called Great Fellas. <laughs> um, all right. So, best actor Kevin Costner, Death with Wolves, Robert De Niro for Awakenings, uh, Gerard Depardieu for Cyrano de Bergerac. <laughs> Not him, yeah. R- Richard Harris for The Field, Jeremy Irons for Reversal of Fortune. I'm going to guess Robert De Niro. It was Jeremy Irons. Oh, come on. Jeremy's Iron. <laughs> I guessed Robert De Niro because I was thinking they would award him for like past great achievements, but also mm-hmm. in that film he plays like he's like wakes up out of a coma, right? So he's like mentally oh. stunt stunted, and the Oscars usually like that. So yeah, 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 yeah. I, I did see that one. To, I want you to compliment me on the quality of my guess because that was a really good guess. <laughs> yeah, great guest, Jared. Oh, they, thank you. And they're trying like different like music, right? To kind of like see if they can get them out of their funk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I like best, that movie too. Best actress. We have Kathy Bates for Misery, Angelica Houston for The Grifters, Julia Roberts for Pretty Woman, Meryl Street for Postcards from the Edge, and then Joanne Woodward for Mr. and Mrs. Bridge. It was Kathy Bates. Was it really? My oh, guess. I'm, I'm guessing, but do you have the? Don't you have the answers? I do, but I, I'm going to guess before I look. My guess okay, is going to yeah. be Meryl Streep. It was Kathy Bates. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She's she's so good in that. Yeah. Um. We'll just do two more. Oh, we'll just do director then. Yeah. Oh, and mo- and we're not going to do the the technical awards. <laughs> we could do best supporting actor and actress if you want. <laughs> okay. Best director: Kevin Costner for Death with Wolves. Francis Ford Coppola for The Godfather Part 3, Scorsese for Goodfellas, 
Stephen Frears for the Grifters, and Barbette Schroeder, Schroeder for Reversal of Fortune. Kevin Costner. That's my guess too, but let's see. Yep, Kevin Costner. Okay. Woo! Good yeah. job. All right, let's move on. <laughs> yes. Shall we? Um, wait, why are we here? Are we going to talk about an episode of Wings? Wings, that's it. Feels so romantic in here. Oh, yeah. It's Valentine's Day. It is Valentine's Day. Just uh, imagine all the people curled up with their lovers uh, watching Wings on this night in 1991. Post coital. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the candles are still burning down. <laughs> the like the candlelit dinner is still like is hardening on the plates and the couple is just cuddled up watching wings. <laughs> I just came. The room smells like jizz. Let's watch wings. <laughs> so we start with the cold open. And in the cold open, we get Lowell helping <laughs> Brian with the crossword puzzle. <laughs> Flexing his vocabulary skills. Yes. And I love this. This is like a pretty silly uh, thing. Brian's looking for a six-letter word for a duck. Uh, Lowell suggests mallard. Mm-hmm. And when Brian says that seven letters, Lowell goes, no, no, no. You put the two L's together and one, they're real small. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they're skinny L's. Yeah. <laughs> and then Brian uh. goes like, well, if I needed a five-letter word for what, nincompoop or something? Yeah. I guess I could put Lowell. I just put the last two L's in one. And Lowell's like, oh, yeah, you get it. Mm-hmm. I I liked it. It was quick and to the point. Like it just didn't, it didn't dilly dally. I thought it was great. And I love that Lowell's answer was smart and stupid at the same time. Mm-hmm. And um, I had, I, I had to look up what the real answer probably was. Mm-hmm. And I think it was probably in brew, which is a synonym for duck, the verb, not duck, the animal. Oh, okay. Like duck, you sucker. Yeah, exactly. In brew, you sucker. <laughs> and so real quick let's just because uh, i think this is the only time we see him in mm-hmm. uh, throughout the episode which is a repeat but it's a appropriate repeat yes yeah, it's, it's kind of i haven't quite figured out what it is but it looks like it's hearts and seeds maybe Egg, like little just, acorns or little hearts it's yeah yeah I think heart, you know, they were going definitely going for hearts. It's Valentine's Day. Yeah. And Brian's a romantic. He is. But I think uh, a quick sneak peek. I think we're going to see some more tie reports for other characters later. And oh, my God. Um, yes. Some more Brian report for a different outfit. Later. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Should we, should we rate the cold open? I want to rate it. Okay. I'm going three and th- I'll go three. Yeah. I'm going to go four stripes. Cause it, I thought it was, it got a good laugh out of me and it was like just a short little bullet of humor. And I, I like appreciated this cold open. Yeah. I thought <laughs> it was like a uh, well done, but it just didn't make me like, it didn't have like enough of a setup. It was just like a real quick joke. I thought it was funny. Yeah. So the first scene starts with Roy asking Faye for advice on where to take a date for dinner. Mm. It's just cute. Like Roy's nervous about it. 
I love I love cute nervous Roy. Yeah, and he's got a great tie in this scene. Yes. So should we we should almost do like a like a Roy's ties. Roy's ties. So this tie is great, but I think that the I think the tie he wears later is even better. And he I think he's worn this tie before, right? The one with checkers on the top, stripes on the bottom. I think so, yes. Like I, yeah, I haven't like really memorized his ties very well, but I wrote Roy starts off with a tribute, like almost checkered at top and and then bold diagonal stripes at the bottom. Um but then oh and again a beautiful tie pin. Yes. And then his second tie. What a doozy. Brown tie with diagonal white stripes and a window in the middle. Yes. Yes, it, yes, yes. Like to me, it looks like a level from an NES game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At some point, we didn't notice, but uh-huh. Brian and Roy entered a battle of fashion. And, you know, I think Roy is um, kind of taking the upper hand on the battlefield here. Yeah, we should probably start acknowledging Brian's shirts because he's got some pretty great shirts. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll, I'll next episode, I'll start like kind of making taking better notice of that. It could, we could still do it within the, the tie report, but we'll just be reporting on other pieces of fashion, Brian. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, Bri- Roy's asking Faye. He's nervous about a date. Um, Faye suggests... Uh, this, this is where she, she, she suggests... What is it called? Oh, por- yeah. Pontarelli's. Pontarelli's, yeah. Pontarelli's. And Ray goes, oh, Pontarelli's. That's a little pricey. He's doing his like little hand <laughs> movements, his yeah. finger movements. He goes, oh, I know what I'll do. Um, I'll eat most of the steak and then send it back. Yes. <laughs> what, a, what a cheese ball. And it's cute. He's like afraid to disappoint his date. But, you know, we learned he met her like in a newspaper ad, I guess. And yeah. we learn that he basically catfished her, like he lied about his uh, appearance to her. And I love like his his like attitude about this. They, they they really do a good job of setting up the game where Roy is nervous about the things that he said to her, but he's even more nervous about how much she's going to disappoint him. Yes, he is like so sure that she's going to be like some subpar humanoid that like doesn't meet. You know, any of the low centers that Roy has. Yeah. To the point that he's going to sabotage himself throughout this episode. Which his arc in this episode is kind of sad. Like, especially like, bit, considering, yeah. like we learned that they wrote letters back and forth. So like they really, in my mind, they built what could be a strong foundation for a relationship. They, they, they led with like communication and talking. And then Roy just let his weirdness get in the way of it all. Yeah, yeah. Um. So then, Brian Brian scores a date with Stephanie. Yeah, a lingerie comes, uh, saleswoman. Yeah, he comes out the corner, almost runs into her. Like, c- kind of cracks a joke about like, "Oh, I almost ran into you. Should we try it again?" <laughs> yeah, I just I liked this moment. Like, you know, we've seen Brian be kind of creepy towards women, but he was kind of, in this moment. He was charming and flirting i thought appropriately yeah i thought it was cool seeing like brian 
the the smooth ladies man in action like like yeah this guy really can kind of get it done it made me realize like we've seen him kind of be a, a hornball um throughout this series but have we ever seen him get laid before tonight i don't think so no yeah i think this might be like the first time brian has scored on wings maybe with the ex-wife when she yes. comes through i think that he's yeah. with her then you're right you're right yeah. Oh, also I forgot the the um the line like when Fago's like, "Oh, you're such a romantic. You uh you like picked your first date to be Valentine's Day." And Roy's like, "Oh, today's Valentine's Day. Damn." They just have to get flowers, right? <laughs> and then Brian's got some pretty funny lines too when he finds out she's selling um lingerie. He's like, well, being high waisted, I murdered a fit. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but I'll take a peekaboo Teddy in the forty-two regular. <laughs> and he walks away, nearly like giving up on the date because um, right. she's bu- she's busy for lunch. But then she's the one that proposes dinner, and that's right. that's where we get a great um, dinner technology joke. Don't you people eat dinner on this island? Yeah, I suppose we could. We have the technology. That was one of my biggest laughs across this episode. <laughs> it's a pretty good one. But so far, like, I'm stoked. Roy has a date. Brian's got a date. Yeah, then we follow Joe across the, the airport, and he, he's he got a big box, a big heart-shaped box of chocolates to give Helen for Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. And she is so not ha- happy about it. She is so yes. offended. Insane reaction. Yeah, yeah. I I didn't like her reaction. Um, I mean, they come around, and you know, it, it's part of the conflict. But if if anything, I would have reacted poorly because that box of chocolate looks like absolute ass. Like <laughs> anytime you see a box of chocolates that large, you know they are the shittiest chocolates you ever had in your life. Yes, for sure. I, for my money, when it comes to chocolate confections, you know, unless it's like Belgian chocolate or something, you know, just stick with C's, you know, and you don't got to get a huge ass box. Like get that C's nuts and chews. Like doesn't get much better than that. Yeah. Agreed. Although do they have C's like across the country? I don't even know if they would have a C's in Nantucket. That's true. They probably have some local equivalent, but all I know is you never, you never get that big ass giant box of chocolates. That's a, I would have been pissed about that. I would have, I don't know. I would have taken it in stride and been like, Hey, cool. Thank you. Yeah. I got you a nothing, which is apparently what Helen got him. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. What right <laughs> does she have to be pissed? Come on. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. But like, an ass box of chocolates like that. The only people that would enjoy that are children and, and lol. And lol. Yes. Because <laughs> as they storm off, she, she like tells him how you'd be so upset. calls him stupid. And he storms off. And then Faye calls him over. Faye calls Helen over. And as like Helen's walking away, lol comes out and he goes, whose box of chocolates is this? <laughs> and she goes, uh, yours thanks don't thank me thank joe and he goes so he didn't forget yes (laughs) and the childlike look on his face so happy that was one of my biggest laughs personally (laughs) yes faye does drag helen away and rightfully 
reads her the riot act, like reminding her how, you know, telling her how shitty she treated Joe when all he tried to do is get her a nice box of chocolates. Yeah. She asks Faye, she, yeah, Faye asks Helen for her hand and then Faye slaps it. (laughs) And then she says, believe me, that hurt me more than it hurt you. I don't think so. Well, I do. I have a touch of arthritis. <laughs> Another line that made me laugh. This this episode was full of good jokes to me. Mm-hmm. And um, it also like moments later when Faye calls Helen a gold digger, I laughed at that because she kind of yes. turns her head and says it under her breath a bit. I lo- loved it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what did you? What were you expecting? A diamond, a little gold digger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the crux of this all is like we return to the theme that, like you mentioned, Helen used to be fat and she is offended because Joe buying her chocolates apparently is like kind of a trigger for her. Yeah. She says something like, now that I'm finally thin, my boyfriend wants to make me so huge that no one will be attracted to me ever again, which is insane to think about. Yes. It's it's really stupid. But I love Faye's line after this. Faye's got some bangers this one. Oh, right. You caught on to his clever plan. Oh, I better call up and cancel that truckload of mashed potatoes he's going to have me delivered to your house. <laughs> and then Helen softens. She sort of knew having boyfriends on Valentine's Day. Doesn't know how to act and stuff. Yeah. The, the next scene is like kind of a nice mirror to that. Yeah. Brian helps Joe realize why Helen was upset. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Brian, you know, showing that he kind of has a higher romance IQ than Joe sometimes. Uh he he points out to Joe how obvious it is that Helen's probably upset because of her uh, the psychology of her weight issue. Yeah, Brian always Brian often comes across as the smartest character on the show actually because he always seems like he's a step ahead of everybody and kind of like mm-hmm. kind of re- reading the situation in a pretty clear way. If only his schemes would work. <laughs> <laughs> it's not his schemes that are crazy; it's the world around him that's yeah. crazy and doesn't understand. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, then we get uh Roy's date, Steph stepping off the plane coming in. Mm-hmm. And and Roy confides to uh Faye that he is he's pissed because his date is gorgeous. Yes. I love like she walks in and she asks for Roy Biggins and he goes, Oh, I will uh, I'll see if he's in. <laughs> and uh-huh. then Roy's line Hey, she double crossed me, she's gorgeous. I love like the idea <laughs> she's double crossed me. As if, like, they both had this agreed-upon single cross that they were yeah. both going to be ugly people, but she's double-crossed them by being very attractive. Oh, that's so funny. David Schwarmer, give it up to him. When he gets up the confidence to go talk to Karen, I he, like, drops his voice an octave, kind of, and is, like, using this kind of nervous, suave kind of voice, and I just loved it. He introduces himself. Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> So good. He goes, that was that was just my idea of a, a little joke. And she goes, well, you did say you have a sense of humor. He goes, yeah, I didn't say it was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, man, like there were so many great jokes in this episode that really, really like tickled my fancy. I do have issues with this episode, but they don't have to do with the jokes. Yes. But, um, you know, I and I like the chemistry between Karen and Roy. She's She's charming and kind and... She brings out like this side of Roy I love seeing, like the the nervous kind of um, wanting human, you know. I was like, I was like, honestly hoping that it would kind of work out for them. 
Me too. Absolutely. Yeah. It's fun seeing Faye play like like kind of the coach throughout here and there too. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Before they head out, like um, Karen clocks uh, Lowell standing off to the side behind Roy, just that we get this great cutaway shot of Lowell devouring the box of chocolates and chocolate all over his face, and he <laughs> shoots them this maniacal smile. Oh my god! Because I, I, I want to go back and like uh, do the setup to that. <laughs> Yes. Because like, you know, she she tells Karen tells Roy, you know, Roy, you're not at all what I pictured. And Roy is like, Yeah, look, I understand if uh, you know, you want to back out of this date right now. No hard feelings. He he knows that like he kind of painted a mm-hmm. an untrue a false picture. And then she goes, What makes you think I don't like what I see? And Roy goes, Please tell me there's no one standing behind me. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And she goes, she like looks kind of over his shoulder. She goes, uh, some guy in coveralls with chocolate all over his face. <laughs> and this was truly my biggest laugh of the whole episode. Yeah. I like yeah. could not, I could, I, I rewound it three times to rewatch yes. just this cut to lull with chocolate in his face. And like, yeah. as you say, yeah, the maniacal look. Really good. Oh my really god, good. it was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> Roy mentions his the letters they wrote back and forth, and I really want to read Roy's lovely, charming letters. Yes, same. Can we get an audio book of that. Oh, that would be the best. And then, so he basically like she says, like I want to go on a Valentine's Day dinner with a charming man who wrote me those lovely letters, and he's like, well, in that case, madam. Your carriage awaits. Why, thank you, sir, she says. You know, I've never ridden in a Porsche before. <laughs> and Roy's like, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, that, uh, it's uh, it's in the shop. But uh, they gave me, they did give me a loaner. Wait till you see it. A purple El Camino. And I love it, uh-huh. the return of the El Camino. Yeah. <laughs> Brian and Joe, are, as they exit, Brian and Joe are like at the table there. And I guess um, Helen's way of apologizing is she has like a, a rose delivered, right? A yeah, by, by a noted actor, random delivery. <laughs> and lawyer. <laughs> and lawyer. Yeah. Yeah. And we get like one of a handful of no homo gay jokes because Brian is like, Brian implies that the delivery guy you know, the flower was not delivered by the delivery guy, but from the delivery guy. Yeah. Uh, he's a cute one, Joe. I wish you both the best. I don't know. That one didn't yeah. bother me. I guess coupled together with uh, another one we get later on. This one I thought was like pretty harmless. Like, oh, he's a cute one, Joe. I wish you both the best. It didn't seem like there was any like derision to it. I'm just searching for a PC violation. So I had a knee jerk reaction there. Yeah. I think we do get our share. <laughs> <laughs> But she's like, sorry about this morning. I'd like to make it out to you. Meet me at our special place tonight at o'clock. Your stupid Valentine. And so, yeah, Joe's like, he's like, yeah, the special place. Indian Point. You know, the place uh, where we had our first kiss. And, um, well, you know, you, you, yeah, you, I don't know. You were hiding in the back seat. And I like the callback to like that previous mm-hmm. episode. And then I also like um, Brian's last line of this episode. You would have gotten a lot further if you weren't so hung up on privacy. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> it's very weird. You know, just a brother sitting in the back of the car watching his brother make out. What's mm-hmm. weird about that? 
Keep going. Don't stop on account of me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, also, I like the, the little head smack that Joe gives Brian at the end. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I feel like we, we've gotten, this is like the second head smack we've gotten from Joe to Brian. They're, you know, they've been working together for two seasons. These actors are getting more comfortable with one another. They're going to get more handsy, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. I mean, you should see them out when the cameras are off. <laughs> <laughs> So the third scene is, I think, the the shortest scene I've ever experienced in the history of sitcoms. Yes, yeah. We introduce, like, Helen is sitting in a black dress at this fancy restaurant. Tony Shaluba's her waiter. Senorita, are you ready to order? Oh, no, thank you. I'm waiting for my Valentine. This is our special place. And I think it, uh... Is that, is that it? Is it that fast? Uh, Yeah. Okay, yeah. I think that's But also, so my note about this scene. Why why would Helen be sitting? <laughs> you know, like if you're if you're going to meet your special Valentine at like a dinner and you just your note is all, all, that's all it says. You know, at least like just grab a spot at the bar. Like go to the maitre d and be like, "Yeah, I'm like waiting for my date, but if um Helen should be like sitting at the bar." <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. Or yeah. like sit, sit Sitting in the waiting area. She shouldn't be like sitting at a table already. Yeah. Like in the center of the restaurant. The lo- yeah. the, the big show is the lonely woman in the middle. Of course. I mean, it makes it for a better like sitcom setup. But like, yeah, mm. in, in reality, she should be like sitting like at the bar maybe or like like waiting outside, you know. And in reality, a lot of restaurants won't even seat you till the whole party arrives. I wrote this this whole scenario out one Valentine's Day. Basically, this idea that I would uh, show up at a fancy restaurant and I would like try to get them to seat me by myself and be like, yeah, she's going to show up, you know, I'd be really nervous. And I'd be like, yeah, like, uh, you know, like the date's not supposed to start until eight o'clock, you know, but I got here at 745 just to kind of prepare. And like, <laughs> if they sat me out, I, I would order like I would sit there, and, like order a water for like a few, little bit. And then eventually like, well, you know, can I just get like. How about like like a bottle of wine and order like the cheapest bottle of wine off the menu <laughs> and and be like, yeah, she's going to show and just try to be like really pitiful. Yeah. Yeah. And just drink the wine by myself and just get drunker and drunker. And like, you know, like 830 hits, 845 and like just get like the pity and be like, oh, no, it's OK. And just whatever, like nine o'clock, you know, <laughs> and then um eventually just like pay pay my bill and leave yeah and then come back like 15 minutes later with a very very obvious prostitute (laughs) (laughs) and be like oh i found her yeah no no this is her yeah she didn't stun me up after all she was waiting for me on the corner (laughs) like it's really clear that i just hired a prostitute just to kind of be my date (laughs) you got when are you doing this you got to do it (laughs) yeah i'll never do it it's a funnier idea to me than an actual execution. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the fourth scene, Helen, I guess this must have been like that, that previous scene was just like kind of leading into the commercial break. Yeah. Yeah. And so after you've learned about Tums and King Ralph coming out to theaters this weekend, um, you <laughs> were introduced to Helen still sitting alone in the, in the restaurant. Still no yeah. Joe. Nope. And um, 
Roy Roy comes in right with his date. Yeah. Well, first we get like Tony Shalhoub as the waiter, kind of making some comments, being like, "Oh, mm. this poor woman, whatever." She's like alone, and he's like, "Like, look around. Ooh, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. Ooh, no." <laughs> yes. <laughs> Tony Shalhoub's character Antonio is—is is it the same Antonio that goes on to star in Wings? I or don't is it, is know. He, I kind of have a feeling it's not going to be the same Antonio. Like they named the character yeah. the same, but in the bits and pieces I've seen, he's not quite as like broadly Italian. Yeah, because when he comes onto the show as like a regular, he's uh is he a taxi driver or something? I think so, yeah. Yeah, and I think he's like way more kind of shy and sort of demure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I think it will be different, but we'll have to wait to find out because I don't know when he shows up. It's just funny thinking that on this island of Nantucket, there's two Italian a- Antonios and they look exactly alike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they're both Lebanese. Or it's like that, was it a, a Curb ep- Your Enthusiasm episode with Bill Hader playing like three identical, unrelated people? <laughs> Are you related to Gregor, the concierge at the Concordia Hotel? No. Hmm. What about Igor, the antique dealer? No. Hmm. I don't know Igor, Gregor, or Bulvor. No relation. So yeah, Roy comes in with Karen, and Karen's like, Roy, this looks lovely. And the royal is like, yeah, I've never really eaten here, but it sure smells good every time I drive by. <laughs> One of my other favorite lines of the episodes, I, I believe Roy says to to Helen, I don't know what, speaking of Karen, I don't know what's wrong with her, but God is my witness. I'm going to find out. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I think basically he, he like, Helen's alone. Um, I think Roy comes over and yeah. Oh, hi, Helen. And, she, and Helen's like, yeah, she's gorgeous. Yeah, I know. And she seemed to be enjoying my company. We're obviously mm-hmm. dealing with a very sick woman here. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's like that. Is it Groucho Marx? Like, I never want to be part a member of a club that would have me as a member. Yes. Yeah. It feels like that's what's happening with Roy. Yeah. And I, I started getting really kind of like stressed out because he's just blowing the date with. Yeah. You know, asking her really like obtuse questions and. Like, I just wanted to shake Roy and say, like, just go with it, man. You know, don't. I know. Yeah. Dude, see where the, the night goes. Yeah. Night fever, night fever. The next flight doesn't go out till tomorrow morning. So she's staying the mm-hmm. night on, on this island. Yeah. But you know where his night went. He ended up going back to the back room of the video store. Hey, Roy. <laughs> Put it on my tab. Yeah, we got we got the new Megan. Uh, <laughs> I can't even... I like I try to think of, think of like a fake last name and the first two that came to mind were Mark Markle and Trainer. <laughs> Got the new Mark Me- Megan Markle tapes in. <laughs> Thank you, UCB, for the improv training. <laughs> so Antonio brings Helen uh some food to ease her pain. And she goes, Oh, I'm not in pain. And he starts to take the food away. He goes, and she goes, Oh, well, maybe my feet hurt a little bit, grabbing the plate. It was like prosciutto. Yeah. And I, I, I read that I, I like that I like Roy in these scenes, even though he's like his character. I like the, the actor in these scenes, even though the character is like driving me tr- crazy because 
I want to see yeah. him get yeah. He's show yeah, and he's showing like a lot of vulnerability and stuff. And uh, yeah, I, I do I do dig uh, what David Tram's doing. His hand gestures are so funny. Like his like little like snaps and finger points and just like the way he moves is fantastic. It's so good. And this is where where he she start he starts to kind of like try to subliminal man her like in the admitting what's wrong with her. Yeah. Well, I'm originally from Cleveland, but my family moved to Gloucester when I was eight. Oh, Gloucester's lovely. Ooh, very picturesque. Does this sound anywhere in your family? <laughs> and she's like catching each one. Like, what? Oh, nothing, nothing, nothing. And it's like, man, come on, Roy. Yeah. Yeah. So should we jump to the, ne- to the next scene? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Should we have like a... Uh-huh. a, a wah, 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 wah. Because <laughs> things just got real horny. <laughs> Boy, how? Like... Talk about romantic lighting. Yeah. Those candles. <laughs> we're back. We're back at the airport lobby. Brian has for sure laid this babe. Uh they're mm-hmm. in post coitus mode. D D T T T D for uh, for Brian's robe. Yeah, Brian's lingerie. Brian's report. robe report. Because that is a amazing robe. Yes. Yes. And like based so I was like trying to figure out the timing of of this because Brian when he, Brian made the date with Stephanie he's uh-huh. like meet, meet me back here at eight o'clock and so I don't know what time it is it must be eight thirty nine o'clock at this point right yeah like yeah um yeah. and they've definitely they fucked for sure <laughs> yes. and she's yeah. coming down the stairs maybe she uh-huh. like took a shower up there or something yeah she's in like lingerie. He's in lingerie. <laughs> yes. The only lighting a, is candles. We get a woo from the audience too. Uh-huh. <laughs> as she comes down the stairs. Yeah. <laughs> so as they're discussing their food plans, um, the phone rings. Uh-huh. <laughs> do you want to do Brian when he answers it? Can't remember what he says. What, what, what? <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Oh yeah. Also, I love Brian's vo- voice cracking. Yeah. Uh, like, as you say, like nothing like a little pre-dinner fashion show to stimulate the old appetite. <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> nothing like a little pre-dinner fashion show to stimulate the old appetite. <laughs> and so, basically, the phone rings, and it's Helen calling Brian, and mm. she's like, "Like, do you know where Joe is?" And he's like, "Well, he's not there." And uh, he's at your special place. And he's not, she says, like, well, I'm at this restaurant for an hour. Yeah. And he's like, restaurant? And she's like, yeah, then at Pontarelli's. And this is kind of cool. Brian's like, you know what? I'm going to save my brother's butt. Yeah. Even yeah. though it would have been just as easy to say, well, he thought your special place was where you first kissed. <laughs> that would have been so easy to say. Yes. Yeah. But I'm kind of glad he didn't. Yeah, why? That's a huge like plot hole. Why wouldn't he have just told her that? Yeah, like but what is he covering for? I know. I think this is the answer. It's because mm-hmm. Brian was post bust. If it had been pre bust, he wouldn't have even answered the phone. Mm-hmm. But he, I think he was like looking for a good excuse to get some cold night air, refill the tank before he can uh, <laughs> go go for round two. The other like logic thing to me is like, why were they fucking in the airport terminal? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, granted, he shares a house with Joe, but he has no shame. And he knew Joe was out that night anyways. 
Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. I mean, maybe, <laughs> maybe she met him there and things just got passionate right away. And so, I mean, they have, have a. Time. He could have like said like, "You want to like fuck in my plane?" And like, really, that would have been a flex on his part, but also like a little hey, sex- sexier. I feel like, yes. Jared. Maybe they did. Okay, you're and then then they came out to the terminal for dinner and so she could have a shower, huh? Yeah, yeah. For all we know, they fucked in the plane. That's probably the, I bet that's exactly where they fucked. Yeah, because yeah. I I don't know where else there would be at the airport. Joe's desk, I guess. But it's kind of sweet though. Like he's like, I gotta, le- I have to leave you at this critical juncture, but I gotta deliver a message to my brother, mm-hmm. and you know, please be here when I get back. And she's like, I'll be wearing this when you return. Yeah, <laughs> and she shows like a real small like a uh, piece of lingerie, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and like then he says, "I'm like, I mean, we're just brothers. It's not like we're Siamese twins, you know." <laughs> <laughs> and she does a really cute go, like kind of giving him yeah. the blessing. And also, uh, this is also where we find out why he didn't take her to his house because he's got to go on his fucking bicycle. <laughs> yes. That's true. <laughs> I mean, I forget he, does, he doesn't have a cab. car. Yeah. He can't get a taxi cab because Antonio doesn't work there yet. Oh, true, so. true, true. So next scene. Uh, like Joe is like alone in his car at India Point, Indian Point. Mm-hmm. And he like shines his flashlight. Like a car pulls up and he's like shining his flashlight like a fucking weirdo. Talon? <laughs> yes. Like that... That was like one of my notes. Like, what are you doing, dude? What's up with yeah. Joe shining a flashlight on just random people? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Not a good move. Yeah. And of course, like an angry dude comes up to the car. And this is like like I guess your PC violation. Yeah, yeah. Like, we get another kind of like gay joke, but it was also like, you know, I don't want to be too prudish. It was kind of with with Brian coming up on a bike and what looks like a dress. Like uh-huh. it's it is kind of yes it was a, a a gay panic joke but it was i i i did it i did kind of find it humorous so yeah because he's he's like uh i'm not alone i'm waiting for somebody and then it's like brian joe yo <laughs> and then i think the guy goes this is perfect hey elaine he's waiting for another guy yes <laughs> and then joe goes it's not it's not another guy it's my brother and he goes oh and I thought it was something weird. I guess it's like the one, the one kind of like homophobic comment that he thinks it would be weird. Yeah, but I, I think the, the layer of it being his brother and like the implied incest, like layer to that onion, kind of makes it funny enough to me that I kind of gave it a pass. I wonder if the guy is like, oh my god, Lowell told me about these two. Yeah. <laughs> But just technically speaking, it is a, a PC violation, but not one that I'm like earnestly offended by. Yeah, for sure. So Brian tells Joe that he's in the wrong special place, that Helen is waiting at Pontarelli's for the last hour. And then, of course, the um, the car won't start. Sitting there running the radio, dumbass. Also, Joe goes, great. My, my special place is where we kissed. And her special place is where we ate, which is kind of like a little bit of like a, uh, you know, a dis, a, like a, you know, a jab at her eating disorder. Yeah, I didn't like it. But I do love that the two of them write off um, Brian riding 
the handlebars. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> so I like that when, a lot. When you were a kid, were you a pegs guy or were you a handlebars guy? Pegs. Handlebars scared me. I was pegs too, man. I uh, I had this very, very cool, uh, it was called a Dino Compe. And mm-hmm. I had pegs on the front and back tires. It was Oh, dude. It was chrome. You know, I had peeled off all the stickers and I shined it up all nice. It was beautiful. And that's the bike. Oh, and it had like that, that like um gadget where you can spin the handlebar completely 360. So no, if you if you do half pipe tricks, you can spin the front, which I couldn't do. So it was, <laughs> it was pointless. But the potential was always there. Yeah, I thought it was cool. And that's the bike that somebody stole. Oh, well, I was sitting on it. Talk about Italian. Now I want. Now I want to see. A, a remake of the bicycle thief, but with you and that amazing bike. Oh my god! But what were we talking about? Wings and how uh, these guys yeah. are trapped on the island of Nantucket, and why can't they just escape? Yeah, yeah. A three-hour tour uh, abandoned them on the <laughs> island of Nantucket. Um, a, a Herman Melville tour, and then it gets. <laughs> mm. So, um, yeah, we're back at Portarelli's, mm-hmm. and um. Yeah, like Helen's still sitting at the table alone, and then Antonio tries to set Helen up with her cousin. Yes, <laughs> which is like the guy is immediately like see, he's speaking in Italian, but he's like making gestures like, "Oh, look at this!" <laughs> <laughs> I did he like says, seeing Antonio like slap his little cousin around. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Yeah, he says he says he likes you. What do you say? You say you're nice. <laughs> and so Roy continues to pester his date, trying to figure out what's wrong with her. And yeah, this is like a bummer. This is yeah, like this was the worst one for me out of all his bad lines. Yeah, what does he say? He, where he just implies that oh he she might be trans. Like yeah, oh so awful. Yeah, that was really bad. You did. I mean, don't get me wrong. They did a really good job. And yeah, I like. I I love her for leaving at this point because she really should have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like that about her character. She like she caught every little remark Roy had, and she tells him off. You lied about your looks. Fine, I don't get hung up on looks. And at first, I found your awkward shyness to be endearing, but your overwhelming insecurity and your total lack of self-esteem borders on the pathetic. So although you were not unattractive to me when we first met, you have certainly become so. I'm sorry, but consider this date officially over. And then, yeah, Roy, I knew it. You're afraid of commitment. (laughs) And so, yeah. And then, like, Helen comes over to Roy, and I wrote in my notes, and they fuck. (laughs) (laughs) I'm alone. You're You're alone. alone. (laughs) I feel like Roy would be like, Listen, Pipsqueak, you couldn't handle me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. But yeah, yeah, so so Roy helps Helen realize that Joe might be waiting at Indian Point. Mm -hmm. Um, Joe's car is parked there, and this leads to hijinks. This is before I saw the following scene, because I was like, oh, like, is they're setting it up where, like, since Joe had to take bicycle Uh to, to Pontarelli's, that means his bike is parked there, so does that mean that Helen's gonna show up 
and find somebody else in his car or something like that. And think, oh yeah, know? yeah. I thought like for a, sure they were setting up some kind of like, some kind of yeah. gag. It's kind of a bummer they didn't, but um, I think the bike issue just made it so it would take Joe longer to get back, basically. Yeah, I guess so. And then, and then um, uh, oh yeah, we're gonna say we're gonna say Antonio brings in a woman. Yes, and I, <laughs> I loved Roy's Roy's little pleased, um, whimsical look on his face when Angela comes out, and yeah. I think they, I Angela and Roy. I think I want to see them fuck. Like I hope he yeah. got lucky that night. Like they seem like he seems like the two. They seem like they hit it off those two. Yes, yeah. Because like Monk brings in a female employee to set Roy up with, and I wrote honestly, she seems like the kind of girl Roy could get dirty with. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe he did. We don't because when. Joe shows up. I think Roy's gone, right? He's gone. Yeah, they went off to make some Mamma Mia, and we don't see the the woman either. No, no, no. They're 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 yeah. in the backseat of that El Camino. Yeah, and I also wrote that Helen like leaves to find Joe without paying the bill. You know, she's got like a glass of wine. I'm like oh. she's just taken off. <laughs> You're right. I didn't catch that. I mean, I guess at this point they have like a bit of a rapport. Like Antonio's been kind of. Maybe he's been hooking up her up with stuff here and there. Mm-hmm. A beautiful mm-hmm. woman. Maybe he's making his move. Yeah, you called it. I think that was the idea. Yeah. So the next scene, Joe arrives at Pontarelli's, and Antonio lectures Joe about like how could you do stand up this beautiful woman, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. This man can disembowel a pig in twenty eight seconds. Pig, you no difference. Maybe yeah. five seconds. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but but Joe wins them over because he like explains the what's happening. He's, yeah, star-crossed lovers. Oh, what I love that's like one of my favorite lines of this of the second half is uh he's like trying to explain to the cousin. Yeah, star-crossed. He's oh Romeo and Juliet. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> before the commercial break, we have a uh, Gicano bring some Chianti for my friend. Yeah. And he's like sitting in the Italian. He goes, oh, coffee, a break. His first words of English, Chianti. <laughs> he's like swatting out. Slapping him. him around. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, the fa- the final scene of the episode is like Joe and like all the staff of the restaurant. They're sitting around <laughs> like women. They never see anything from our perspective. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that they're just like drunk at this point they're all spoiled little bambini and they're like singing songs uh la i don't know what they sing yeah and then helen shows up <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah 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 um, don't my only thought about this was like why to um where are all the dates for these italian men you'd think they'd be anxious to get home to their own sweethearts yeah you're right for sure like all these I never expected the island of Nantucket had all these like Italian men on it. All these <laughs> single Italian men. It's all these single Italian men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Helen comes in when they're singing. What the hell is going on here? Mm-hmm, and he's like, mm-hmm. I just got back from Indian Point where some kid told me that you left on a bike with a man wearing a dress. <laughs> and he goes like, that was Brian. <laughs> 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 and I also love uh, 
yeah like like she's like do you mind if we have a little privacy and he's like helen 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 anything you can say to me you can say in front of my goombas like immediately <laughs> just becoming <laughs> and he busts out with italian like what when did he learn italian oh <laughs> uh, yeah she's like i don't know you speak italian he goes I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's like a, a drunk power he has. He gets drunk and he can he can be bilingual, multilingual. Yeah, maybe. And hopefully for Helen, he can be cunnilingual later. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Have you seen um, Tim Daly in Sopranos? Yes. Yeah, I recently did a a, a full Sopranos watch and uh, it very and it was like around the same era, but very different role. Uh, I mean, this this would have been like ten years earlier, I think. Wings Sopranos Wings? was like, yeah, Sopranos was like two thousand one, two thousand two, because. Oh, well, Sopran- well, 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 you're right. Yeah. Yeah, Sopranos had to cut out the the twin towers from their opening, like in the second season. Okay. Yeah. 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 But yeah, it, it is a quite a different role, and it's good to see Tim Daly, you know, doing something else. Yeah, but I but like the way that he acts with these Italian Americans in this episode. Makes me wonder if like that, uh, if that's like a through line for for him on Sopranos. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> yes, my goombas. Yeah, <laughs> but does he play him? No, he, he plays like like an actor in that show, right? Like a no, he plays a uh, a like screenwriter a and a what's a Chris? Um, yeah, kind of latches onto him and he. Uh, he like forces Tim Daly to write his mob movie for him. Yes. Yeah. Cause Tim Daly's into him for like a bunch of gambling debts and they like met each other in AA. So his Tim Daly's character is interesting. You know, he's like a, an addict, uh, drugs and gambling, mm-hmm. you know, and, and ends up getting a shot in the head. Yeah. Because like, cause of a deal, I forget why Chris was like pissed about, something and he took it out he didn't he didn't have a good reason to shoot tim daly in the head but uh just took out his frustration on him yeah not cool so helen's like joe how could you think that indian point was our special place this restaurant's already had our first romantic dinner but joe is like yeah but helen indian point has already had her first romantic kiss Mm-hmm. Which like I don't know we we don't mm-hmm. we never see them on their date in the restaurant the the first time right we kind of no fall. they just cut to like them in the car after the date which is a very romantic kiss yeah and for the audience that that the audience would kind of agree with Joe but yeah I mean it's dumb of this couple to not set more uh, solid parameters to this <laughs> to this evening yes I also love. Uh, like, you know, when they're kind of apologizing to each other, making up, Joe, go, Joe goes, well, it was pretty insensitive to me to give you that candy. Cannoli? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then, yeah, like, Helen goes into the whole thing about, like, do you know what it's like to be the fattest girl in school on Valentine's Day? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite, favorite lines, though, is, like, you know how everybody would exchange valentines or it would get all these really great ones you know like mickey kissing Minnie, and i always get the lamo ones like dopey hugging the tree stump <laughs> yes <laughs> and only because like the teacher told the boys they had to give one to everybody yeah. and joe goes dopey's cute 
And then <laughs> Helen, my my favorite line, her of hers. Nope, he's a bald dwarf with big ears. <laughs> <laughs> that made me laugh a lot. Yeah, and the um. This episode is like, sometimes I kind of like notice when shows think about plots that wouldn't work with cell phones in the story. And this is one of those plots. Like as soon as, as soon as um, Joe's five minutes late, Helen would have texted, Hey, where are you? And they would all been sorted out. hundred percent. Yeah. Unless, uh, uh, cell phone towers are down. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> oh, I don't get reception at Indian Point. You know that. Oh, it's Let- the great February storm. <laughs> yeah. That's like my uh, my theory why, why so many new uh, TV shows and movies are um, take place like in the 90s or, or earlier. It's because it's really hard to write uh, a lot of plot devices it, with, with cell phones. Yeah. It, it changes things a lot for sure. Yeah. But they say they're little sweet nothings and, you know, they're like looking to each other's eyes and say, you know, like, like Helen, I'm sitting here and I see a warm, tender, sexy woman with soft eyes and a big heart. And she goes, oh, you're drunk. And he goes, but I'm not blind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they go, thank you, Joe. Be my Valentine. Be mine. They kiss. And the whole staff is watching from the doorway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Comically open the door. <laughs> Yeah, and that's the episode. A a lot happens in this one. Yeah, like, and they go back and forth a lot. Yes, right. yeah. I was disappointed we didn't return to Brian's storyline. Yeah, that would just be uh, R-rated at this point. <laughs> yeah. Maybe X-rated. I would be hoping for at least NC-17. Mm-hmm. I, said, I brought this up on an earlier episode, like... We're we're in the honeymoon phase of Helen and Joe, and I don't love that the plots that focus on them are kind of these relationship conflicts. I I want to get back to seeing them have fun, just fun with each other. Yeah, for sure, that'd be nice. My favorite episodes of of sitcoms are not ones where the plot centers around a, a misunderstanding. I for some reason I get I get kind of bored by that. Yeah, I'm with you. That that's always a huge thing that drives me crazy. Like, I just don't care. Yeah. Oh, I forgot to mention. So, uh, just to, like to wrap or to kind of catch things that we didn't talk about in the second scene when um, when Karen shows up and like Roy runs to Faye and Faye kind of coaches him. Mm-hmm. She goes, "Now tuck in your shirt, zip up your fly, and go and sweep that girl off her feet." And like Roy gasps, like, "Oh." Because he realized that his <laughs> zipper was down. <laughs> it's a really good gasp. Oh. Yeah. And he like zips up his zipper. Yeah. Tough question. Yeah. Wh- who do you think is the VIP this episode? That's a tough question. Oh, uh, God. Because like early on, I would say Roy. 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, I, maybe, maybe Tony Shalhoub. He does a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But like for for our main cast, I think it it probably is Roy. Yeah. Like Faye's yeah. Faye's fun. Lowell has a couple of really great moments. Mm-hmm. Um and Joe, like Joe's good. 
But like, I don't think I don't know if Joel ever get the VIP. know. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're right. Like Joe was more affable in this than he is in other episodes, and this was probably one of the best Joe episodes. I but. mean, Joe should get like like a kind of through line VIP because he's a great straight man, and he really kind mm. of plays like a great. He really like creates the environment that these other people can be wacky around that makes yes. the show work. Yes, Helen's really fun, but she's like, she's got a great a few great lines. But I think I think of the main crew, it's got to be Roy. Yeah, I, I I'm with you on that. Yeah, even though he's like, he's frustrating us, you know. Yes. But a um, lot of great, a lot of great moments, and a lot of different sides of Roy are on display here. Yeah, and like I, it would have been nice to see him like hook up with Karen. But it is nice that he hooks up with that other Italian woman. So, <laughs> 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 yeah, I want to see like it should have been like uh, after the end credits. It's just like like uh, Stephanie <laughs> uh, modeling different lingerie for Brian. <laughs> No, or be. oh my god i would have been so happy if we would have got brian i'm waiting yes <laughs> oh yeah and brian would probably get second vip brian's really funny in this yeah and i'm 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 just glad uh so many of our couples on the show are getting to fuck at the end of this episode like implied like you know i think i think roy's getting getting busy brian's getting busy and I think Joe and Helen are doing it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have anything else to add? I liked uh, Tony Shalhoub. It, it it didn't. It doesn't immediately seem to me a character or like a, a performance that would uh, begs to be like continued on, like brought onto the show. So I'm a little curious to see like how they do do bring him in. Um, yeah. But at this point, if I had only seen like this episode and the the couple prior, I would much rather have inspector hansen be a continuing character than antonio yes 100 <laughs> percent. but i can see like why uh why that what they saw something in tony shalhoub and wanted to bring him back well should we talk about the rating i guess yeah i think i'm gonna go 3.7 3.5 3. 3.75 i like 3. this a lot and I thought that were like a lot of great jokes, mm-hmm. but like it didn't quite hit like the tomfoolery fun of some previous ones. Maybe yeah, three, I think three point seven five is fair. Yeah, three stripes uh, and three wings. Yeah, agreed. This like this show, this episode didn't wasn't given any favors by with the preceding episodes being hard four stripers for me. So yeah. Uh, it was a tough act to follow. Um, that said, like this is, I'm gonna say three, three stripes, um, because I the jokes were great. A lot of the performances were delightful, but the just the plot wasn't exciting to me. It kind of didn't like wrap around in the way like that felt very satisfying. It kind of like it was like mm-hmm. we went, we started at one point, like we started at the airport and we end at Pontarellis, and it kind of. I don't know. There's like something satisfying about like ending at the same spot. I don't, or even though that's not how like the, the, the backseat one ends, but you know what yeah. I mean? I don't know. There's something to it. Yeah. I just, I needed another Brian scene. Um, uh, I needed like, I would, would love to see Lowell a little more. Yeah. And, um, this is like a really low light episode. 
Right. Yeah. Well, after that, after you see him with that chocolates, I don't think you even see him again. Yeah. I would have liked to see Roy. Like, I would have loved to like, I don't know. Like, I I was looking for that moment. I was kind of hoping for that moment with like Lowell and Karen where like, like, or sorry, <laughs> with Roy and Karen. <laughs> I mean, Lowell and Karen is maybe like more, more reality of like what actually yeah. happened later. So yeah, like, like where Roy maybe opens up to her a little bit and he's like, I haven't dated much since my wife died, you know, like get like a vulnerable moment from Roy where he kind of like appeals to her. Oh, that would have been beautiful. Yeah. Even if like they don't, they still don't hook up. It would have been nice to see him like kind of be vulnerable for a moment. Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. yeah, the way it kind of ends, like, like Roy's just like still writing her off. Oh, she, she ended up being, I forget what he says, but yeah. He tells Helen that she like didn't, she was crazier and something like that. Hey, we did it. We talked about another episode of wings. Uh, next week we will be talking about season two episode. Love means never having to say Geronimo. That's episode 18. And that is on Paramount plus. Cool. But um, if you need to watch it somewhere else, uh, yeah. hit us up. Oh, yes. You can email us at wingsnutsprogram at gmail.com. Hachimachi. Yeah, Emerson, thank you so much for talking wings with me tonight. Thank you, Brian. I wouldn't do like a Brian impersonation that called you Brian. Uh, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Jared, for chatting the wings with me. <laughs> Till next time, toodaloo. Toodaloo.